0: Listening to Kevin in the Spleen. No one's gonna ever love me. Ten ninety eight point five Radio QWX. Real quick.
1: Bussin', no cap. No, 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 no cap. Really smack you in the ass with flavor. There you go. This show is about depression, anxiety, PTSD, and chronic
0: illness. We going quick. 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 We're trying to keep you on the path to the right home on the evening time. It's a fucking zoo. <laughs> Make it quicks with the Quicks Radio.
2: White lives White, do not matter. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody! It's the spleen coming at you live from the new Kevin Incorporated Studios, baby. That's right. Kevin shelled out the big bucks to get us away from uh, the WKUK, the quick. No, actually, that's that's the old network. <laughs> I'm a bit in the past, baby, because we're on quick with the quicks. Well, we were until we went fucking solo because I got canceled. So we're coming to you live in the studio, baby. And if things aren't working right, <laughs> we're just working out the kinks. And, you know, Kevin loves those kinks, baby. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right. Uh, be getting a late start today. It's, uh, it's not anyone's fault. I have time blindness so you can just say that and it's fine and it's bad if anyone says like what are you talking about I have time blindness
1: what about you Kevin what kind of blindness do you have um I actually think sometimes I kind of legitimately have face blindness um, I know Dan said he thinks he does too. Where I just literally, like, sometimes until someone talks, I have no idea who they are, then all of a sudden it just completely clicks to me. Like, if if I can't piece together things by, like, their height and hair and what they're wearing and stuff like that, sometimes I just literally don't know who they are. But I don't think I have it nearly as bad as what Dan says he does.
2: Yeah, I have that with stomachs. I cannot tell people apart based on looking at their stomachs. And it is a true issue in my life. Uh, I have motorboated the wrong woman. That's why, but you guys know about that. That's why I'm canceled. All right. I I don't know. You know, hypothetically, we could do a whole episode in that voice. You know, I could, I could figure that out.
1: Do you think your voice would hold up for 75 minutes of that?
2: No, but I think I could do it for at least a good 20 to 30 the, my question is like what are the consequences like i think if i did it for three it, it's like it might just destroy me somehow when i would never know you know until i did it uh but it's true we are we are recording from the new kevin studio that kevin and kevin bought you know we were we started to think that uh just got a little bit you know cramped doing it in my apartment it's not set up so why not you know build our own studio you know, Kevin's been doing the, the Shrub home video stuff. So it's like we we really want a home base. And we decided that the best place for that is the spare bedroom of my friend's house.
1: <laughs> I go all out for you. I don't I don't hold back. You know, yeah, there's no object for this show.
2: I just think it's impressive that you went behind my back to arrange uh, my friend's spare bedroom. Not like behind my back in the negative way. It's just usually you would expect that to go through me somehow, you know? But I was, I was happy, you know, the address, I was like, looks kind of familiar. And then I was like, wait a second, this is my friend's house.
1: I don't like to bother you. You know, like, I know you're a busy guy and I figure it's easier to ask for forgiveness and for permission. Yeah. So I just went ahead with it.
2: The thing is, it's easy because I never forgive. So it's like, well, I know how this is going to go. I do. I don't have to like question what's going to happen. Like, it's going to be a bunch of screaming and spleen and,
1: uh. (laughs) (laughs) and this is why I don't apologize
2: yeah exactly exactly but that's enough of our bullshit uh let's get into a whole different kind of bullshit we got a guest for you guys a real corker of the guest who i definitely should have asked that <laughs> you wanted to be introduced you got any notes on an introduction before i introduce you i
0: mean um not no i mean i'm a comic book artist uh you know do you want me to give my credits or what how do you want to
2: Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, usually when people are introduced, they want, you know, at least something, maybe it's a credit, specific credit, or maybe it's, they don't want something to be mentioned. You know, I don't know. Usually it's never happened to me, but usually people get kind of like particular about how they like being introduced, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm early enough in my comics career that, you know, it's not too much, but, um, So, uh, I'm Vince Underwood, I'm a comic book artist, uh, drawing a series, The Miracles, coming soon, and uh, also the artist behind a couple of self-published things, a book called Page Turn, and another book called Elk Mountain, which um, are a bit harder to find because Amazon sucks and destroyed Comixology, the digital comics platform. But Amazon destroyed that Amazon owned it. They bought it uh, some time ago. And then uh, sometime in the last year, they just kind of dismantled it in a way that made it real shitty and people stopped using it. And they removed basically all the self-published comics from it. It was a fun day to go on there and find out that my catalog had been removed. So. Yeah, that
2: sounds real fun. All Yay, right, let me billionaires. Let me, let me take a let me take a run at this. He's your favorite comic book artist and mine. You uh, he has an upcoming book, The Miracles. I should have been writing stuff down. <laughs> upcoming book is The Miracles. You could pre-order it now. Where where can you pre-order it
0: now? Anywhere they sell comic books, your local comic book shop. You can get it uh, online through our publisher CEX, uh, which is Comics Experience. You can um,
2: from CEX or, as we'd prefer, your local comic book comp- support small business. Support your local comic stores; they're a dying breed. Uh, he he has a storied past. He is a checkered. <laughs> oh no, my microphone just changed. Could it have anything to do with? Uh, uh, what about that? No, wait, that was wrong. Is oh, that's that- better now. Better. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's take this from the top. My favorite freaking comic book artist, you know him, you love him, he's from I feel like my microphone changed again, but I'm barreling through it. <laughs> you know his work from shit, the one I forgot, Up Mountain, was that what Yeah, that's that's another one. Up Mountain and the other one as well as his upcoming work that I'm really excited about, The Miracles, Vince Underwood art is uh is is his twitter account name and wasn't this a better introduction wasn't this such a good introduction
0: it's not my twitter account name but it's close
2: it's very close it's so close you know maybe it'll even come up if you search that not not these days the twitter search it's one it's
0: it's one or the other it's like vince underwood art on twitch on instagram not on twitter and blue sky it's just my name but yeah you'll find me
2: I meant Vince Underwood Art on Instagram. That's that's what I meant, and uh, that's what I said. In fact, and if you heard it, that's on you. You heard it wrong. But hey, uh, it's a. Uh,
0: What's funny is you could have gone with Twitch, which actually it is Vince Underwood Art, and where we actually spoke for the first time.
2: We speak all the time. We're we're constantly in communication, right? Isn't that true? Uh, yeah, yeah, constantly,
0: constantly. I can't, I can't shake you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm like I'm like a sweater. Can you imagine shaking a sweater? Of course you can't. I don't know, Kevin. I, I appreciate you really uh going all out and uh you know spending all this money to get the studio up and running within the space of a week. But I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna work long term. <laughs> Something about it is uh is making me really confused.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, I will point out too. I did just send you a brand new monitor, and then you're gone, away from your desk this <laughs> week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah.
2: Part of the problem was that the monitor was full of fleas. Oh, okay.
0: Classic. <sighs> Ugh,
2: I don't know what the fuck's going on. Okay, Vince, are you just? I've been out of your on the oh,
0: podcast. Wait, what? I was gonna say, is it just being out of your element, just throwing your rhythm off, or?
2: No, I think I think really what it was is trying to log into Zoom. And then having to decide whether i was going to log into google gmail and email myself the zoom link or if i was just going to uh just manually type it in i don't know something no you know what it really was is it was messing with this fucking mic stand uh but hey you know at least we got it right to the same spot it was at the beginning (laughs) but you guys don't know about that so that doesn't make any sense to you but what does make sense is our good friend vince vince How do you feel about narcissism? Are you a narcissist?
0: I think that on some level, I think anyone who is in the creative field is probably some kind of narcissist on some level, because Mm. I think the thing I always talk about when I'm talking to people is like, there's this fine balance between self-deprecation, which can motivate you to improve, to be like, oh, this page sucks. I'm going to redraw it or this panel's. Not as good as it can be or i need to do better this book but also the absolute insane belief that you can do something like follow your dreams like do the job you've been saying you want to do since you're eight years old takes a certain level of uh egomania i think you know to actually pursue that and think that i could do it you know what i mean
2: definitely i mean i think that's one of the reasons why I didn't pursue anything like that. Like, obviously I fell into Hollywood stuff and so I've been doing it, but it wasn't like, I was like, man, I wrote this script that I'm so proud of. I must get into Hollywood for this script to be made. You know, that wasn't really my path. Um, And when I was in school, I really liked writing. I feel like if I had one skill that I felt that I was good at, it was writing. Um, But It just, it it was like, I don't think I'm good enough at at writing to, to do that. And so I just kind of wrote it off, which is another form of writing. If you think about it um, as like a job career. And I was like, maybe I'll just do something in science. And at some point I was like, maybe I could do radio because radio felt like it's kind of writing, but it's just different. But yeah, no, I agree. I think that like, not only like medically is narcissism, like a spectrum, like everything is of it's like a spectrum of diagnosable criteria like you can have mm. some criteria and not others but also i think like self interest human self interest predisposes us to some kind of narcissism you know and it's just a matter of degree because how much do you put yourself in front of others um all of this to say I don't think I'm a narcissist anymore. Uh, I listened to the latest episode of this narcissism podcast, and they broke down all of the different types types of narcissism. Very interesting stuff. But I think like the thing about a vulnerable narcissist is it's not like they blame other people. It's more like, nothing can ever be their fault because they're being constantly victimized by everything from the kitchen table to, you know, the government. And that, that seems like a pretty big reach from my neuroses, but I do think I have some behavioral narcissism pattern, but so speaking of like ego and stuff, what, what made you feel like you had the juice to like pursue art? Was it just like, I care about this so much that it's not even a question. I'm just going to do it or what, you know?
0: Uh, I could give you, so I'm going to, I'm going to back this way up. Right. So when I was a kid, I I started drawing all the time and I had like, I'm not one who like really preaches about talent. Right. Like I think talent is like maybe step one, like you have a natural affinity, but it means nothing compared to honing that into skill. Right. But so, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I had like that beginnings, that natural affinity. Right. And You know, I was drawing, you know, in elementary school, sitting drawing superheroes and Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters and all that stuff. And I, like I said, when I was like, I have like a thing from when I'm in, like, I'm like eight years old. That's like a printed little like third grade yearbook where I wrote, it's like, where are you going to be in the future? And I'm going to be drawing comic books. I'm going to be drawing comic books. And um, about the time I was in the seventh grade, we were taking an art class and I went up to the art teacher, very excited and be like. I'm going to be an artist. I draw like I'm going to be in your class and this is going to be great. And, and I was showing her things I drew. And in the most ridiculous, like when I think back on it, because I, I also spent a good number of years in education, she looked at me and said, you're not very good. You should stop. And I did. And it was crazy because no one who's in the seventh grade is good at anything. Yeah. Like what a ridiculous thing to say. And so I stopped drawing and I actually went into music and I became a big old band nerd and I ended up. What was your band interest? Uh, I was a, I was a trumpet player who became a tuba player. And I know looking at my portly self, that seems so crazy that I would play the tuba of all things. Yeah,
2: only, only big guys play the tuba. Right. I mean, it is heavy, right? So I guess yeah. there's like at least you need to heft
0: it. But yeah, well, I've known some very small people who've played it too. But sure, yeah, I went definitely. I went from that, and I started uh, teaching music for a long time, uh, teaching marching bands and doing that, and drum and bugle cores And what age was, were you when you started teaching
2: marching band? That's so uh, that was right out of
0: high school. So that's
2: strikes me as very weird. Right. Is that, was that, did you think it was weird or were you like, this is, no, that's,
0: that is very, that's actually pretty normal. Um, because it's, it, it's kind of done more like coaching, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like a director who's in this classroom all day long and, you know, five days a week and then everything that's done after school, the extracurriculars like that, they hire people who are more specialized, who, you know, are more focused in these fields. And they start with just like, kind of like techs who are just little helpers who you throw them like a couple hundred bucks a month. And, and they start doing that. And then I just kept doing it and doing it till all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're in charge. And now you have at this school, you have a room and you're going to come in like during this time, during the day. And now you're going to be designing and writing these shows and it just, kept escalating and it put art on the back burner because it was paying the bills and art was crazy it was just like i can't do this i'm not gonna you know i'm not good enough to do that it was that part so was missing
2: what was the teacher that what 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 teacher was it like was it a specific teacher or like a seventh grade general teacher or What? it was It was an
0: art teacher oh it we were art, doing okay, yeah so yeah. you're
2: like oh well this is an art expert okay
0: yeah. Yeah. So I signed up for the art class and that was day one. And then Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I had done like, I played band stuff before that, but I was going to make that jump to follow my dream. And that was day one of art class. So I went back to, uh, to music and that sucks. <laughs> it really fucking sucks. Um, Cause so, <clears throat> you know, I was doing the music teaching thing and going through that. And simultaneously in my personal life, I was in a long-term relationship um, that was coming up on 10 years when I found out that my best friend and partner, like my design partner in the, in the band thing, and the guy I taught with at multiple schools and her have been sleeping around behind my back for a year and a half. Jeez. And so the career crumbled, the personal life crumbled. So I'm I'm 29 going on 30 when that happened. And suddenly, you know, when you're you've got a partnership and you're cohabitating with someone, you know, you're paying the bills together, we had a car together, all these things. All of a sudden, it's all gone, right? And I, you know, I can't afford this house, I can't do that. So at 30, I tuck my tail between my legs. Mom, can I stay here for a few months like while I get things going? And, uh, and so I'm standing there, I'm like, I'm basically 18 all over again, right? Like my career that I built for the last, uh, you know, decade and change isn't going so well, personal life falling apart. Did you feel like
2: your, that career wasn't salvageable at that point or was it more your attitude towards it was like, had changed with all this turmoil?
0: It was it was a little of both because I was uh-huh. so like because we had you know, we had like teams. We had, you know, you have collaborators you prefer and people you bring with you. And it's like, hey, yeah. uh, this school's interested in having us come out and do this. You wanna come along, you wanna come along? And there were suddenly just like riffs, right? Like people who were like, hey, that's fucked up what you did to Vince, and then other people that were like, Well, I gotta I must still wanna work here, you know, and and so it just became messy. I kept doing it, but I was doing it on a also like, you know, that was a pretty rough time. So the Definitely. idea of like going out and being like, cause a big part of that job's cheerleading and encouraging and being like, you're doing a good thing and you're doing great and you do this. Right. And, and building a positive environment where critique can be received. Right. Positively and all that. And so when, you know, I'm sitting at home going like everything sucks. I hate the world. Everyone betrays me. Ah, right. Like it, it just teaching didn't feel right for a time. I did. Well, you should have had a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so sitting in the kind of the, the ruins as it were, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Ride or die. I'm going to pursue this thing that I should have been pursuing the whole time. And I just dove in like crazy. I kept teaching on the side because obviously, you know, man's got to eat. Um, but, and I'm told women do as well, you know? Yeah. 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 That is, that's is true. Um, confirm this, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just, I just dove into it like head first and, and went crazy. It was just like, it's either this or, or nothing is kind of what it felt like. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, my first, my first comic is the self-published thing page turn. And it's kind of about that period in my life and just kind of like dealing with depression and anxiety. And, and it's kind of just the point of it really is like, well, why not just try, why not just draw something for 10 minutes a day? If it's even that, because what the hell else are you going to do? And yeah. so that's kind of like, it's I don't know. I don't know if it's a, it's a, I guess it's a hopeful attitude in, in some ways. I, it feels a little dark, but that was kind of just what happened was everything blew up. And so at 30, I was just like, you know what? No, I'm doing this. And yeah. So how
2: long did it take from moving in with your mom to like set, starting, not even like deciding, but starting the actual comic book and then to actually finishing page turn right that was what it
0: was called yeah so so the the basically for a couple months there was classic kind of like what you think of as depression right like sure stuck in bed day. like yeah yeah all that stuff and um i started kind of kicking around the idea and my um one of my brothers my youngest brother um got like a like a decent sized tax return or something and had some money coming in and he was like, Hey, I will loan you to buy like a new art tablet and kind of fund you, get you started. Just pay me back when you can, you know, got that taken care of pretty quick paying him back. And so within a few months, everything was kind of rolling and I was experimenting because I work digitally now, 100%. And that's when I started doing that too.
2: Yeah. So like you hadn't worked digitally before that, it sounds like, right?
0: Yeah. Cause it just, it's an, it's kind of expensive to do. Right. Like the, the one I have, you know, I have this welcome Cintiq tablet here. That's, you know, it costs a pretty penny. And, um, but you know, I'd always been a, like been a nerd and loved computers and knew Photoshop and knew my way around that world. I like for a time had a day job doing some graphic design for a couple of years. Right. And so it was just an environment I was comfortable in. And so suddenly when, drawing and that environment merged it was just like everything came to life Mm -hmm. it just i i suddenly like had all these tricks and and tools in my tool belt that i didn't have before and i understood how to make things happen plus you can just freely experiment you know like when i'm when i was working with ink it's like hey i'm gonna try something and it turns out bad and it's like well there's three days of work gone that's i think
2: the best part about the digital part of art processes is like i mean you can draw a line and it like ruins your artwork you know but you can draw 70 lines within the space of two minutes digitally and you know you can you can not only erase and start over but you can like tweak the line you know you can like get the tool and start stretching it around, you know, yeah, and I absolutely. think anytime I've done it, it's like, it's, it just makes it so your effort feels so much less wasted, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that allows you to prioritize, you know, more important things than, you know, starting over. Right. Like I can be like, Oh, I can add this to it. I can do that to it because now I haven't wasted all my time, you know, mm-hmm. with erasers. I got a control Z. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening was a couple of events happened very quickly, one after another and Are you writing the first book. Uh, so I hadn't started writing the, the first book. Got yet. it. Okay. continue. So, so what happened was um, a buddy of mine kind of had a story idea. He pitched to me and we did some kind of sample pages and I did those. And then we didn't really know what we were doing, how to pitch it or figure it out. And it wasn't working out, but you know, I had those pages but I was still kind of down. I wasn't feeling really good, and I just one day I don't know why I did a um, you know because Kevin Smith his daughter's name Harley Quinn Smith, and I did a drawing of her <laughs> to shamelessly get attention. I drew her as Harley Quinn because I was like I post this Kevin no nope, Kevin Smith loves nobody more than Kevin Smith and his daughter. So right. if I draw a, draw a picture of his daughter as a Batman character. I'm going to win the internet for a day. <laughs> and he did repost it and it was getting like it's like start like I woke up and it was at like 15,000 likes on Instagram and wow. like so I, so it was like blowing up and I was just like is it possible that people might slightly like what I do? You know, yeah, and
2: validating experience for sure, especially when you even it's not like I drew it, it's I drew it and I had this intention and that worked out the way I intended.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I off of that, I got this boost of confidence and I sent those sample pages to an artist, Derek Robertson, uh, who co-created The Boys. And I sent it to him and just kind of like, hey, what do you think? And he basically wrote me back about how bad it was, but he like he wrote like an essay with like, he took pieces of it, he sketched on top of it, was like, this is what's not working here. This is why the story beat doesn't read the way it's supposed to. Look at this and like included like photos with like certain ways shadows were working and just wrote this huge thing. And I wrote back just thanking him, like praising him because it was was incredible, right? Like this is a, I, I have never, you know, taken an art class. I'm figuring it all out on my own. And here was this dude who I had so much respect for is a big deal. And he took time out of his day to, you know, rip me apart, but educate me. And I valued that so much. And I wrote him back and I was like, thank you. And then he was like, Hey, check out these books. And we started an exchange. And so I redid those pages and I sent them back to him. And, you know, these are a lot better. Keep it up. And somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, Um, this guy, David Bergantino is starting a, a transmedia horror company. It's books, it's comics, it's movies, it's all this. And they're looking for someone to do a tie-in comic. So I send these pages, these corrected pages to this guy. And he's like, sweet, let's do it. So I drew a whole preview, like kind of prequel comic to a movie that never came out and never existed, <laughs> but I got a paycheck and it was the first time that happened for making comics. And, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a bummer when they were like, yeah, you know, this is first, it's going to go out to executives It's kind of a, like, you know, as we're showing them what the movie's about and like kind of what we can do and we'll release this comic beforehand. And, you know, they sent me like the script for the movie. And part of me kind of thinks I possibly got taken advantage of in that, through my comic i designed the creature for the movie and then the comic never came out so i'm wondering if i got like you know it was a way to like
2: the movie didn't come out the did the movie come out no
0: the movie didn't come out the comic didn't come out okay okay so uh i at that point they intended for it all to come out but so i think i kind of did some backdoor design work yeah for them you know without like movie industry rates i mean the thing is like
2: One of the, I mean, it's interesting. I'm wondering like what the intention behind this media company was thinking, but like one of the thought process behind a comic book is you could do the comic book and that's the IP. And then you license the IP to the actual distributor or whatever. That way they don't, you know, the person who's paying for it actually doesn't own it. You retain ownership. So like, on that, that end of it, if that's what they were thinking, it's like there's some value for that, but necessarily that would do design work on some end, you know? But it's also possible they were like, you know, and then we'll own it and not you, the artist, you know? Yeah. They were there, like It was like a really deep, multi-layered fuckery that was always Yeah, because
0: right, it was weird because they gave me the comic script and it was definitely a prequel because they also gave me the film script. Right. And the, the the events of the prequel comic almost don't even come up in the movie. Like there's a scene, like a flashback in a diner and in the background are the characters from the script. Mm -hmm. You know, they sent me headshots of actors and stuff. Or like, you got to put these, these four having lunch in the background. And I was like, all right, works for me. But so that never came out. So in the aftermath of that, it had been proven to me at that point. I was like, well, I can do it. I can make a comic. I can get paid for it. I, started i was like well what do i have to say what do i have to work on i was like well i'm just going to do this little this little short and about about myself and explore what i'm going through and it just kept expanding until it was a full-size issue and uh yeah i self-published that and um that was you know it wasn't some you know huge giant hit or anything it's a self-published indie comic right Mm -hmm. but what was cool was i found out that you know it was the beginnings of an audience, like, because it was about themes of like depression and kind of picking yourself up and, and even putting in a little bit every day and everything I was kind of going through there, people would reach out and send me these deeply emotional emails and things talking about how it like touched them and connected with them. And they felt like they were seeing themselves. And that was crazy. How did like, that just you feel? it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal. And it's funny because, and this is an argument I have with my wife all the time, where I see some of the book is really dark and pessimistic. And I was getting these emails from people that were like, yeah, this got me to like, get myself out of bed today and, and get going. And she, she tells me, she's like, oh, it's a super positive ending. And I was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be, but it made me happy that that's what people got instead because i'd rather put that into the world than. Uh, isn't it all pointless everyone
2: yeah well i think even kind of like sitting in the tragedy even if you don't necessarily intentionally like uplift out of that i think it can be like oh i feel seen this still kind of uh helps me reinterpret the situation and, and look at it from a different angle and that itself can be very You know, liberating and and helpful, even if it's not even, you know, intentionally
0: saccharine or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very just, yeah. And, and I I honestly, you know, it's where it kind of comes like where I was talking about that duality before. Right. Where uh, on the one hand, I, I was, you know, I got to put this out. People will read this. People will care what I have to say. And on the other, completely shocked that anyone, you know, the first time I got an email from someone that said, I read your book, I was like, you did Mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. I mean,
2: it is crazy. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird. The ways that people connect through any means, but also, you know, such strange and, but that's the thing about art is it connects people, you know, our emotions. I don't know. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about what page turn was about like more specifically, or do you think that's
0: spoilery? It's, I mean, I don't know how, how, how spoilery it is, but it, it's generally just like following myself through, through a day being haunted by the voices of the past. Like in a way, in a kind of doing a thing that I think only comics can do as a medium where like the whole time there's speech bubbles coming off the panel, you know, like you know there's a page where i'm literally just combing my hair brushing my teeth getting ready for the day and a voice says why bother what are you going to do like mm. you're not going to get anything done and so it kind of manifests those shitty voices in our heads yeah um it's kind of how it goes through and um it just it kind of builds more anxiously and more intensely throughout the book until there's kind of a um a literal through a literal page turn a moment where the story kind of flips. And so that I won't get into. But yeah,
2: yeah. No, that sounds awesome. I want to check that out for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. that is that is still available on my website, which is just Vinceunderwood.com through my shop. So and it's like two bucks. Um mm-hmm. so anybody who wants to check that out, uh yeah, I greatly appreciate if you, that. If
2: you're listening to this, it'll take, it'll be, it'll be so easy. www.vinceunderwood.com. Click the button that says shop. No, no. Click the button that says, hello, my name is Spencer. <laughs> and I would like to purchase the book page. Turn, please. I think is what the button is, right?
0: Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> that's the button. It's but got, yeah, uh, no,
2: check it out. Do it now. Stop listening to the podcast or the live stream and just, just go there. It's not, you know, it's all, it's all good i don't kevin, know kevin go there navigation <laughs> no um yeah no that's awesome um and so but you've been working on a new thing that's what you you wanted to kind of the uh, really sure to plug more than the the two dollar one is yeah as, as that one is i'm sure but uh you know but that you've been working on for a while right how do you i mean how long have you been working on it oh
0: man okay so the process on that one uh we initially the creative team got together many years ago and started talking about it and before even I was involved it went through a couple different artists before it got to me and everything kind of clicked together so then we took a while to kind of when are we going to do this what are we going to do with it are we going to try to pitch it to a publisher are we going to self-publish it are we going to crowdfund it and we finally um during the pandemic decided that we were going to put it out ourselves and put it out as a whole graphic novel, um, a full-size graphic novel. And so that was the start of 2021, I think 21 or 22, that might be right. But, um, it took about nine months to complete and another three to six to distribute, and that was a run of about a thousand copies through Kickstarter. And so then after that was done, we decided, well, let's try to get it a home, like a real home and get it in the shops and get it out there and and figure that out. And that's when we were approached by CEX a year ago. And they were like, we want to put this out. We want to, you know, get this happening. And um, I was shocked to find out how slow the wheels of business and publishing can move. Cause like I said, it was almost a year to the day between getting the contract terms to look over for the first time and the solicitation and announcement of the first issue was about a year. And so that happened uh, back in June. So, and it was, it was, it's been a wild ride the same day, the day Almost two days after I got the contract and found out the book was getting published. I also found out that the rental I was living in was getting sold and I wasn't going to have a home. Uh, So, uh, had to figure out how to, uh, buy a house in this economy. While dealing with all of that. So
2: yeah. And this housing market. you know, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got lucky. Uh, The way I like to say it is we, uh, I wrote like Indiana Jones rolled under the door right before all the rates went crazy oh yeah so I wish I I'd we'll dismiss that but um yeah so it's been yeah it's been a while it's been a wild ride and you were like on some level there for for all of it like watching your twitch stream or watching uh that happens while I was working on it you know it was i mean there's a yeah, uh, well, I
2: mean we don't have to we don't have to beat around the bush i i i colored most of the pages
0: yeah yeah that's uh <laughs> That is true. No.
2: So, so you were the artist, were you coloring? Were you inking? Is it like, what is even the pro like, I think like, I think when we talked in the past, you talked about pages, you know? So like, is a page, a single page or is a page, like five passes on a page, like what is even that
0: process? So for me, because I work digitally, it's straight to ink. There's no pencil step. I mean, there's usually some rough sketching or whatever, but it goes right on in ink and then it goes to a colorist who colors it with the exception of in this book, there's a comic within the comic mm-hmm. and oh, that's cool. done. That's done in a, a st- homage to, uh, uh, Jack Kirby who oh. kind of invented like half the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, all of that stuff I did color myself cause I wanted it to be very specifically evocative of 1960s comics. Mm-hmm. So I took care of that, but yeah, then it gets passed to a colorist. gets passed to a letterer and then so do you bubble it
2: or does the letterer have bubbles i guess you have to kind of format for the bubbles right
0: uh so i will i will keep make sure so when you're doing this you make sure you keep space right Mm -hmm. so if you're going to have two people talking and you put them right up to each other right you failed as a comic book artist because there's nowhere for that letterer to put anything or you make sure that you've got like a third of the panel at the top clear, if it's Mm -hmm. going to be a dialogue heavy scene. And then when things get more complicated, like there's a scene in the fourth issue of our book where people are literally walking through a white void and they're kind of spinning or like they're free of like kind of gravity and and surfaces. Right. right? And so the lettering actually like kind of turns with everything. And Mm -hmm. so for that, you know, as I plot it as a visual, I am kind of going this should kind of go here this should kind of go here but our letter um um Hassan Batsman Allahu which I hope I did not I got 100% right um is amazingly talented and is on a ton of books he's doing like I think he's doing poison ivy from DC right now nice. and a number of other things that's his craft he's brilliant at it so as long as I leave him space you know sometimes things come in and I'm just like that is Not what I thought this was going to look like. And it's brilliant. And it's amazing. And that's my favorite thing about collaboration, right? Is kind of sending it off and it comes back and it's just like, well, that's so much better than anything I could have imagined. It's super exciting.
2: And it makes it feel so much more real that it's like, it's not just me shitting this out. It's like, I do this and then someone else does a whole different thing, but it's the same thing. Like it's both, we're both making this. It's not just coming out of my head, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, cause like, I don't know, cause people talk about like, you know, with like George Lucas in the prequels, right. That there was no one there to say no. Right. Mm-hmm. And when everyone at every step of the process, you know, we're a small team, you know, it's not like a Hollywood movie, but, um, you know, there's four of us in there doing it. Right. There's a lot of voices to say, no, it should be this, or I think it should be this, or I'm an expert in this. Yeah. This is the way it should be. And I think it just makes everything better.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like it's like I, I get so second guessy that just even talking to someone is like it can be so validating even if they're saying no you're wrong. It's like, well, at least someone's going to fucking tell me that, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about the the miracles like in terms of like a a pitch what it's about, like any kind of thing you want to kind of For sure, for sure. wet the audience's appetite.
0: Yeah, so it's a uh it's a coming of age story. Um our teen protagonist um discovers that he's oh he's a huge comic book nerd. He's a big fan of this book, major voltage adventures, which is the book within the book. Mm-hmm. And he discovers that he has superpowers, which is not something that happens in this world. Um, it's very much, you know, the real world. And suddenly he's finding himself with strength and flight and all these things. And he kind of takes his powers for a spin the first night and is confronted by major voltage, And his wife, the phantom lady who are his favorite superheroes. They're just there in the sky with him, And he's just like, what the hell is this? And it's his mom and dad, um, come. And so they've come from the comic book world into the real world. And that's kind of where we really kind of jump off from. And it deals with, uh, Elliot, uh, the who goes by the superhero name Miracle is also a, um, uh, a young queer uh, character. So um, our writer, Joe Glass, he created a book called the pride, which you can get from dark horse, um, which is an all LGBTQ superhero team. And Joe himself is uh, as a gay man is always he's to tell those stories and put those stories into comics. And which was something that really attracted me to the role because I felt like, you know, these are more, these stories we need more of, right? It's not my community, but if I can do anything to elevate that community and spread those kind of stories, like I'm absolutely on board for that. And what was super great was when we had the initial conversation, when he and I were talking for the first time about what this book was, he was talking about how this, this comparison between secret identity, this idea of a superhero, putting on a mask, hiding who they are, for the purpose of protecting themselves. And then he was talking about his experiences as a young closeted man and tying those two together. And so I'm sitting there in my mid thirties. I've been thinking about superheroes my whole life. And here's someone who lived a different life experience and brought to me a new angle to the thing I have loved my whole life in one conversation. And I was just like, well, this matters then this is, this is super important and this is a cool parallel and something to explore. And yeah, like, so we get into it.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that sounds really cool. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's interesting. It, I don't know what your your second book was like or whatever, but uh, to go from kind of doing more of a personal thing to something that's like more, you know, it sounds like it kind of generated from outside of you and you came in and it was part of an additive, like added to the process. That's like a, a really interesting thing. I, just in terms of like, I don't know experience with the comics book industry or something. I don't yeah, know. I mean,
0: well, and that was Elk Mountain, the book before that uh, I did with a writer Jordan Clark, who um, um, his uh, mother is Puerto Rican, and that book addressed a lot of the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. And that one was about a a, a an immigrant superhero from uh, from uh, South America uh, living in a small American town, like his kind of his Smallville if you will. And so when that first happened, it was the same thing. I was just like, so happy to be a part of, you know, like my story the story of people who look like and have my experience has been told so many times. I don't even want to read it anymore. Right. I don't want to be a part of it. I I don't like I'm over it. And so to have these people who came to me, I was so lucky and say, Hey, I've got a new angle on this thing you know, I want to do something that you haven't seen before in a comic book. It's just, it was, it was exciting. And I I hope that my career continues to be full of books like that.
2: Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, this is a weird gear changing question That's sure. to Kevin instead. But <laughs> Kevin, do you feel like, I I don't know that your life ever exploded, like Vince was describing, but do you feel like you ever kind of, switched gears and was like, I'm going to take a leap with like this idea that
1: I think could work, you know, in a similar way. I mean, kind of, I mean, not necessarily like a specific idea, but Mm -hmm. like I went literally from living in farmland, Nebraska to working at Midway games overnight, you know, and that was a, a humongous risk for me because I was, you know, spending every last penny I had to move, you know, a thousand miles away. And things like that. And then later when I ended up quitting that and started my own company too, that was kind of a big jump for me of like, you know, I'm going from this stability of a big company paying me and, um, knowing that even if I kind of screw up the money, the paycheck still coming next week to not, but not, not in the same way he did, you know, like I I took some personal risks, but not, not jumps like that.
2: Yeah. Did you have like much in the
1: way of like business experience? No no i just winged it pretty much um yeah that's i had no idea what i was doing that seems like really
2: crazy just because like i at least can see even without obviously art is so much more than just the art in the making of the art because it's you know it's commerce as well or whatever but i can at least see someone going like i would like to make a comic book and just starting down that path and as problems crop up like get it but like to me, it seems like such a different animal to be like. I'm going to start a business, you know, because it's like, what even is a business? You know, like I know what a drawing is. I, I've read comic books, but like, I couldn't really tell you like what makes a business a business, you know. And that just like, uh, I don't know. Is that something you really dealt with Vince is like the, like, oh, I I now have to become like a business and not just an artist or where you, were you having success just plugging into other more kind of, you know, obviously the first book, it, it sounded like, you know, you were looking for people to do it and stuff and they bought based on the sample.
0: Um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I consider myself very fortunate that the, my previous career was freelance. So right. I had experience from the time, like right out of high school where I had to sit down with people and they were like, okay, what do you want to get paid for this? What's your rate? What are you yeah. going to be doing? And, and I was so bad at it at first. Cause I don't think anybody's really super comfortable with those conversations necessarily at first. Right. Yeah. Especially like, you know, I've kind of got a little bit of imposter syndrome, so it's kind of like, Oh, whatever you'll give me, you know, sure. but, uh, <laughs> um, so by the time I had to kind of have my first conversation where somebody said, hey, what's your page rate? I was able to say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went into this thing without any sense of compromise. So I understood how to, how to handle my own business end, how to read a contract, you know, how to not get screwed over um, and, you know, how to take care of taxes, you know, on a freelance job which is an entirely different beast than just, you know, your kind of regular yeah, taxes taken out your check job
2: in 1099s. Yep. And, yeah. It's gets like you probably wanna claim a lot more when you're doing your own shit than you might otherwise because it's like you got to claw back the money.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, like I did uh last week I drove up and down California Central Valley and went into comic shops and met with owners and kind of was talking to him about the book and, you know, of course I'm writing off every mile and every bit of food I ate and all that, cause that's business. So, yeah. So I went into it with a good understanding of all of that. And, you know, I learned more and more with each passing year. And I think, you know, I've got a pretty good, you know, handle on how to kind of present things and market things like you know, I've done sales jobs before. So, you know, it wasn't like completely, you know, out of my wheelhouse to go in there and pitch to people and talk to people and stuff so
2: yeah well you know what's not taxing god i gotta go you guys i don't (laughs) is soda uh so dancing dancing completely not to the music for the audience's perspective because of the time delay although you know it's the new studio kevin sprang for the t1 internet connection so you know like maybe maybe it'll be faster than it's ever been maybe my dance will be right snap on who knows but uh you know in the shuffle to get the studio prepped so quickly kevin forgot to order the specialty mountain Dews to the studio (laughs) so i don't have any soda but do you guys have
1: any soda I have a few things to try, but what do you want to do today? And what do you want to save from when you can try it with us?
2: Well, Vince, you only have one soda, right? Like a sane person. Yeah. And it took you two weeks to track down. I think that's why we had to, we had to keep (laughs) pushing back your appearance. (laughs) Uh, But, but you got, it looked like the, the, I don't even know know what it's called. Is it Guava
0: Blast? Baja Caribbean Splash. It's
2: Caribbean Splash. Mm Mm-hmm is guava in the caribbean like i don't think of guava as being that island and kevin has left i i assume to go get it we don't know if kevin has that okay i have so a Kevin's can it. of it here whoa yeah oh my god you're the only one
0: spencer yeah i managed yeah. to get the the bottle but it was an adventure
2: yeah well you know i yeah Some is some of you we it's 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 a, it's a work in progress you know we're getting the studio up and running You know, Kevin can't always order everything. (laughs) This is Kevin's fault.
1: Just for the people at home to know, Spencer literally told me today, by the way, I'm not doing the show at my place today. And I'm like, okay. uh,
2: Well, at first I was like, I'm not doing the show. And you're like, come on, you got to do the show. And I was like, well, I'm elsewhere. And you're like, fine, you know, we could do it from else. No, yeah, no, I just, whatever. Who cares? Who cares about anything? I'm just going to. I fucking hate myself you guys. This sucks. What uh, what am I doing? We all love you, Spencer. And then that doesn't help. That's what sucks. Like that when Vince was talking about like, oh, I don't know. Like uh, like oh, I read your book and and it's it's like and you're like, "Oh, that's so crazy." You use the term surreal, but I asked you how you felt, Vince, and you didn't actually give me a feeling. Like, so
0: <sighs> but like how did it make you feel? I mean, so it, it made me it, the ones, the ones that were kind of emotional like that made me feel good. But a lot of times I talk a lot like you talk and most of that gets reserved for my wife because I don't have a podcast every week, my wife. but, but you know, like I, I wake up sometimes and I go, Oh my God, my art's so bad. Why am I doing this? Oh, I should go be a banker or something. What am sure. I doing? And, you know, she tells me I'm an idiot to keep going. And to shut up and she's great like that but right. um but yeah i don't i don't think and th- you know i've been given some thought because you keep saying like oh this is so bad the show and and you know and then people tell you like the show's so good and you're just like no it's not no it's not i don't I say think, it's so good i don't think anyone says that's so good uh, i've been in your chat where people people on twitch where people people love it but i, I guess i, yeah. I think I think there's like kind of a disconnect between the idea of like, cause you talk about wanting a premise, right? And I don't think sure. people understand what the difficulty is on you and not having a premise, right. I
2: it's not even a premise. I think it's more of a purpose. Like I think yeah. a premise can be a stand-in for a purpose, but that's the thing is like this week, people were actually giving me structural notes on ideas. And I really appreciate that. Uh, if you, if you put that in the Reddit, thank you. But it's like, even that's like, it, this isn't really solving my problem because it doesn't give me the purpose that mm-hmm. I want it to have because it's still just, it's just structure, you know? And, and, and I don't think I expressed that. So it's not their fault for interpreting that way. But anyway, you said it made you feel good the vast majority of feedback I receive does not make me feel good. That's the thing. That's what's so weird is that like things that I can look at and like, go like this should make me feel good. They simply don't. And I think in the past it was better, but it wasn't, it wasn't different. Like it still happened just on a different percentage, you know, I don't know, but whatever. But
0: I I don't think, see, I don't think it makes me feel good in the way that like it's inflating me. It, Like, because then those examples in particular, right? Somebody, you know, writes me and says, this connected with me and helped me get through my day and did this. And so I think that that's a good thing. And I feel like I put something good back into the world. It's not about like those emails weren't your book is so good. You're so good. You're so great. I think that would have made me feel really uncomfortable. But to say, like, I read this thing and my day was better. And I'm going to face the world uh, in front of me is like, that can make me feel good because it's like, oh, well, the world's a little bit of a a better place today. And, you know, and I think part of that's also what I enjoyed about education because all the time, you know, I'd have kids coming up to me with problems and stuff and to be able to kind of guide them through that and see them achieve goals and do things. So it's less about, you know. You know, it, it makes me uncomfortable It would make me, you know, at the end of the year, kids would write you letters and stuff and be like, you were such a great teacher and do this. And it's like, I would love that. It's, 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 it's cool, but it's also like, that's not, it's not about me it's about them. Yeah. No, I know.
2: Uh, There's a lot of me that's like, I should have just been a teacher teaching is like a low paying job. And that's another reason. Like I wrote it off for that reason, but Mm -hmm. I think I would have been really happy teaching probably um, because I like, like one of my favorite parts about assisting is you just do feel like you're, I'm not going to say like I was making a difference, like working at a mission makes a difference or whatever, but it's like I can see that I'm doing something for a person and that makes me feel good, you know, and teaching is is very of, of that. But the thing about you, Vince, it's really interesting. And also um, Kevin actually shares this is that you have a wife. So I think, you know, I think uh, that can like, that's a validation that you almost can't shake, you know, because that's a person that has said, I'm actually... I'm bought, I've bought you like I bought into you as a human being that has a value that I would like to share in that value. And that's that's another thing I don't We got to try the soda. So uh you but, guys are you guys why don't you give this well, soda well, a sip.
0: Before I give that soda a sip though, that's that's on some level true of your friends of like your fans like yeah, it's not the commitment of like I'm going to stay with you you know, until we're both dead, but uh it, I think on some level, that kind of that you you are receiving that validation that people like being around you and like talking to you. I it's disagree.
2: This, I think I'm a symbol. Like I think being a public figure, you're not yourself, and you don't like it's parasocial, you know, but well wait, even wait, with the largest like our like, fans kind of on some level
0: Go ahead? Uh, no, no, I, I mean, you, you you answered my question it's it's the thing is it sucks
2: it sucks to listen to it sucks to complain about it sucks to feel none of it's good you know um but you know what is good is so to hit the theme again (laughs) Uh -oh. oh boy okay uh caribbean splash
0: now so, is guava from Car- the caribbean oh what were you gonna say Vince? i was gonna say so this is a full sugar soda i haven't had one of these in i think 10 years okay so if so i go into some lightly. sort of, if i go into if i go into some sort of diabetic shock on air I mean, I mean i guess that'd be entertaining and exciting in some level but okay it's got a good smell i'd say
2: exciting more and, and you're giving it a taste Yeah, it's good. It's good. Vince says it's good. Yep. Kevin has given it a sniff. What are you smelling, Kevin?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's very tropical fruity. Like I, I would believe that I know there's not, but I would believe there is guava juice in this from yeah. the smell. For like, sure. it, it's a very authentic. It's not overly sweet smelling. It's not very artificial. Like this, this smells
0: not like Mountain Dew at all. This is more. Yeah. And even uh, for being like a full sugar Mountain Dew, it's not overly sweet. But it is sweet,
2: right? It's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, Mountain Dew is really tangy and it's not like there's no tanginess to it, but I'd say it's more sweet than tangy, right? And also to me, it almost, and this is probably just color, but like, to me, it does have a bit of watermeloniness to it. I wouldn't say it's like a watermelon soda, but it kind of, there's a bit of watermelon in it to me. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't pick up that this is a Mountain Dew. I would say this is probably, if I had to guess just based off of flavor, I would say this is like a Fanta or something, you know?
2: 100%. I don't think it really has like the do that usually they, they even say in the, like this, the flavor description they'll say like with a black do with a blast of whatever. Like, I don't even think it tastes like do with a blank. I think it tastes like no. not do, yep. um, which is not bad. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, this is drinkable, really like
1: on a really hot day on some ice this would be fantastic i think yeah that's the, t-
2: to me it hits a lot like uh, the major melon where it's like a hot kind of refreshment kind of situation mm. where i don't think the passion fruit one was very refreshing in the same way i think it was nice it had this kind of purpley grapey quality a little bit but um but yeah it's, it wasn't as refreshing and that was also a bit more tangy whereas this is this is just kind of like a, a nice tropical sweetness i would say you know
1: yeah, they're no, saving agree. this probably for for next week, but me and Spencer are gonna try this New Zealand exclusive exclusive called Mountain Dew Passion Fruit Frenzy, which is supposed to be even better. Like the, the reviews I've read of this are just that it's absolutely amazing. So That's I'm I'm really exciting. looking forward to trying that next time.
2: Yeah. So like I had this whole plan in mind um where we tried the passion fruit before with who was that that was a different guest Ah, fuck it who cares um oh it was nolan i think um and uh, and then we're going to try the guava and then what i want to do is i want to mix the passion fruit and the guava together just because why not who cares and then we could also do a side-by-side of the two passion fruits to see how those taste and oh boy it'll be an experience it'll be the exact circumstance where we do the first two and i'm like uh it's kind of, we do, this doesn't have legs. We should try and do something else, you know, but that was like a whole kind of, I mean, that could be a four part series, you know, if you think about it Um, really in-depth stuff and, you know, isn't it, I don't know. Aren't I so great that I could talk through the flavors of, of, of a, a do I didn't even have with me, you know, but it sounded like I did, you know, it sounded, I, I, I would have been a lot more the micro if I was actually tasting it on the pod, but Hey, we'll do that later, I guess but I don't know, man. Well, the thing Vince is it is a mountain dew and the caffeine is, it is there. So I would caution you. I I don't know what, what time zone are you in? Are you allowed to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the West coast with you. (laughs) The time zone police are going to get you for revealing it. Um, But yeah, so even like, I would say I had a full bottle of, of the guava mountain dew at like 2. PM. And that was too much i i, yeah. I, I mean don't get me wrong
0: i i just drink the the zeros oh yeah you got me addicted to major melon <laughs> like i went i you were like doing a stream and you were talking about it and i literally put the stream on my phone got in the car went to like three different locations because i was like i got he keeps talking about this major melon i gotta try this major melon and uh yeah that was the first of many <laughs>
2: I wonder, would you, would you think the, I mean, obviously it's weird to kind of compare sugar to non-sugar, but what do you think about like the side-by-side between the major melon and the, uh, the splash?
0: Um, you know, cause part of the reason I drink the zoo zero is cause it is still pretty sweet in the zeros, yeah. but, um, no, like I'm surprised. I kind of half expected this to go into my mouth and me to be like, Oh, sh-, like, like the sweetest thing I've ever s- tasted in my life, but it was, it was good.
2: That's but I similar.
0: prefer the melon. I
2: prefer the melon. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Check out the miracles and uh, check out Mil- Major Melon Zero and not the Caribbean Splash. Oh, boy. Um, Kevin had an interaction with an AI. I think that might need a bit more time to really dig into, huh?
1: Yeah, I think we probably need to save that for next time.
2: Well, what else? I got. I got so much okay we talked about jonah hill (laughs) we talked about narcissism um last week i talked about the writer uh, the the actor strike sex strike and one of the things i mentioned was the free ad supported television and uh it's also known as fast it's the kind of stuff that's uh freebie is this you don't need to pay money for freebie i don't think you need to pay money for pluto tv although maybe you do. I can't remember. I think you don't. But So this is a model that's getting bigger. And I meant to say last week that the thing about free ad supported television is it's a different classification of new media. So we had old media that had old media contracts. Then new media came along to skirt all the minimums for old media. And so because that was getting so fucked, we started going to the new media minimums which were woefully inadequate but at least they existed whereas before it's like literally nothing you didn't have to pay anything you didn't have to pay uh a lot of things it's like sag minimums even if you aren't in sag sag minimums really set a lot of price floors so a lot of non-union people can still get you know sag scale i think it's called or whatever without being in sag and so like you know, without that, it's like, you're really just paying someone $20 and like a can of beer or something to do a multiple day shoot or something. Um, and so those base minimums changing, uh, helped, but like they basically were like, well, let's just do all, everything as new media and only have to pay these peanuts. And the thing is, as far as I know, in our negotiations, we don't have specific carve outs for, uh, Free ad supported television. Um there, there's old media and there's new media, and most of these negotiations are getting new media rates to get more in line with old media. But I do not believe, I believe like the reason they started inventing free ad-supported television was to create a new category that is also not covered by guild contracts. And so it's a very weird thing where we're we're arguing over the new media when they've already pulled this new, new media trick that they're, as far as I know, just getting away with. So it could be all these negotiations will end. We won't get anything dealt with on free ad supported television. We'll get all the new media up and then there won't be new media contracts anymore. There will just be free ad supported television contracts, which will be the new wild West, just like old new media was. It gets kind of confusing to talk about this verbally, huh? But they're just fucking us. They're fucking us, no matter how you look at it. There's no way. It's just like it. the thing is, it's so crazy. It's hard to even talk about because people are like, "That cannot be true," and it's like, "No, <laughs> this is what's happening." It's really bad, but okay. Uh I guess that's our show, right, Kevin?
1: Yeah, we're we're out of time.
2: Well, you know, sometimes there's other shows that are also out of time, aren't there, Kevin? There are. How does that work out?
1: Well. It's loose, but I generally give people two to three minutes of of buffer. So, and isn't
2: that interesting, Kevin? No, um, whatever. Uh, so, what's coming next, Kevin?
1: Uh, coming up next is Apocalypse Then's uh, Video Apocalypse, which is a collection of these strange and unusual music videos. Followed by Real Life Sci-Fi. Followed by uh, Rob Schraub's Cyberpunk Megazone tonight. Is that a new one? It is not this time. Oof. Yeah. But Sorry. check out Shrubhomevideo.com on Sundays, and who knows, you might catch something new, too. You might catch something incredibly <laughs> illegal. <laughs> Occasionally.
2: Yeah. Uh, but but no, you don't. It's not. It's perfectly legal, and everything's good. Um, and I'm happy, and I'm also married, it turns out. So, hey, you know, everybody wins. Uh, what about you, Vince? Check out The Miracles as well as VinceUnderwood.com to check out his $2 comic about depression that's swept the nation and connected many. I, I don't have a do- like a number figure on that, but I, I'm going to definitely go check that out after the show. Um, you know, what, what, what else you got to plug?
0: Yeah, I just really want, like, if anyone can go out there and pre-order The Miracles from a local comic book shop, like, it'd be huge for us, you know, even... You know, one person in a shop shows the shop that people are interested in. They'll put more on the shelf. Um, would be great. Um, like you said, Vince Underwood.com. It's Vince Underwood at, on Twitter. Vince Underwood Art on Instagram. Uh, it's like some variation of that on Blue Sky, all of that. So give me a follow. And I got Link Trees with all the relevant links and all of that. So, And the
2: thing is, it's not even a, it's not even an, a, an order. It's a pre-order. So, like, don't even worry. Just do it it'll be fine like you don't even have to you know just get it in now yeah double size first issue
0: double size first issue it's only six bucks and then half as much from there on to the four issues total and that's just the price of a single starbucks um but
2: you know that's our show uh don't give me money uh don't look at me stop looking at me um We like to end the show the same way we do as every time, every, every, every week. So until the, the, until the, don't look at me, don't look at me.